we spoke to many startups and they were like, we were testing it. I was like, okay, what was the methodology behind this? And they were like, first stuff, first thing. And then in the second, like, we were asking people if they like it. Ah, okay, again. And then when I when we we're teaching them, they really, it's a habit that you develop by asking like, what do you think about this? And putting your finger on, on, on the uh, phone or uh, screen. And that's where it Every time someone asks me to help them with their marketing, the first thing I always, always say, you need to understand your audience. This is the only way you can achieve product market fit and build a marketing strategy that will make you stand out from the competition. However, this is never easy. And if you are just starting up, you have a small marketing team, you don't have enough resources to have a specialist, a user research specialist, or even working with an agency. That's why I traveled to Vienna to speak with uh, Tina Litskova to learn from her uh, experience. Tina, I want to start this with a very simple question. When do you think in the lifetime of a startup that we should start thinking about doing user research? Well, the universal question uh, answer would be as soon as possible, mm -hmm. as much as you can. Yeah. yeah. So that means even you can test even an idea, not really asking people, would you use it? But uh, trying to figure out how people react, what problems they are trying to solve in your area and adjust your ideas upon that one. Mm -hmm. Who do you think should be the owner of this? project where does user research goes under does it belong to marketing does it belong to product or does it belong to design very good question that i'm trying to solve for myself too <laughs> uh, especially in the recent years uh, i go back to a story when i started in ux uh, uh, as a field we were talking that ux is basically in the digital area the new marketing uh, which sounds a little bit bullshitty, uh, I'm aware of that, but uh, when you do a proper and deep user research or research, uh, because there are users, but there are human and customers and uh, whatever, people, uh, you find insights that affect marketing, that affect design, that affect product, and many other departments, also customer uh, support or help desk, which you can the deliver the insights to mm -hmm. so it really it's various all right so maybe we're gonna dive more into details but before that uh tina Litsukova, you are um originally slovak from Bratislava, and you mentioned it's one of the best capitals that you love uh however you also worked in uh, berlin you have been working in Prague, so you actually belong to the Prague marketing community. <laughs> and right now you are uh, in uh, Vienna. You are working with uh, Kununu. They are hosting us in their uh, office here in uh, Vienna. And you have more than 10 years experience in, in user research. And one thing that was interesting, you mentioned, you are a skeptical workshop facilitator <laughs> yeah what does this mean um uh, nowadays you hear like let's do a workshop on it and i'm like really is it a workshop or is it a meeting mm -hmm. because a work or is it a presentation because workshop has to have this interactive part and from the root of the word 
it's workshop. Mm -hmm. So it's like a shop where you have to work, mm -hmm. you know, like woodworking workshop. Uh, and a lot of workshops just are for fun, inspiration. I get it. That's also a goal. But I am more keen to do, yeah, uh, sorry for my language, get shit done. Mm -hmm. And that's why I like workshops as a methodology, but it's really, as any other methods in our field, a little bit getting misused, mm -hmm. I think. So that's why I'm skeptical, and that's why I'm skeptical to do workshops and everything and not having really good results out, out of it. Mm -hmm. All right. So uh, this is not a workshop. This is just an interview. <laughs> <laughs> and um, all right, like you have, you have amazing experience with user research, right? And what we are trying to achieve today is to introduce that to someone like a marketer or even a startup founder who is not necessarily a user researcher and probably don't even plan to be one, but they need to do user research until they reach to the moment where they have a specialist in their team or even working with, uh, with an agency. So if I am that person, I want to start, you mentioned something to me, which was called the double diamond from framework yeah. to work with user research. What what exactly is that? Well, you go through phases in the pro projects or uh, developing a product, and it's really looking into problems from the start. So you might already have a solution, but uh, in especially in corporate environment, we go off to solutions without asking people what they really need to solve. That's one of the things. So that's the discover phase. And then you need to somehow frame the problem. Okay, what we are really looking into um, and define what the problem is. So, uh, and from there you go to phases where you actually develop the product. And this is probably the simplest. And if you put in Google double diamond, you get uh, from a product perspective, a map on it. Or if you look from design thinking perspective, you get even more detail, like what are the phases. Uh, but it's really a very simple framework on how to approach problems of your customers, of your users, and then develop solutions on it. Mm -hmm. But it takes like, yeah, to really discover the problem and find out what is really the problem. Mm -hmm. So let's start with the first stage, that discovery stage. And again, I like to always use an example. So we are a B2B SaaS company. Mm -hmm. We are just starting and we need to do a user research and we start starting with this discover phase. What should be we doing? Depending on if you're a product that is already alive uh, and functioning or you want to go with some new stuff. If you would go with new stuff and in, uh, thriving for innovation, it would be more of finding out what your clients are really trying to deal with. What, what are the problems? So mm -hmm. you would go really explore exploratively and explore what kind of problems do they try to solve on a daily basis. So that's the really discovering on when you are trying to solve something new or look into new opportunities. And if you are, um, it's kind of tricky if you are really discovering or exploring something with an old product. But also I would say it's really very important and necessary to gradually or regularly to look into your product and go with open mind and like, okay, how do our people, how are people reacting to what we already have? Mm -hmm. We did this at Kununu very recently. 
and I can't go into the details too much. But we found some very interesting things where we're like, wow, these people are paying us and we don't really do the job 100% of what we can give them and how can we support people Mm -hmm. and our customers and what they are trying to achieve. Mm -hmm. So it's a really big reality check when it's about already a live product. Mm -hmm. How did you actually do that? So are you doing, um, I think you mentioned the word disk research, uh, or do you go and speak with the customer? Like how, how do you achieve that? Depending. I am a big fan of desk research uh, because there is, and trying to frame the problems also from a theoretical standpoint of view, because there is a lot of knowledge out there and we don't have to reinvent the wheel. And for example, in Kununu, we, uh, I'm mentioning it a lot right now, but uh, we research now on trust. And my first step was really looking at like, okay, what is the theories on trust psychologically, so in socially, in the society? What are the frameworks that could help us to frame what we are looking for? Mm-hmm. What what could be the touch points of mm-hmm. a trust then into the product and where we see the theory coming alive in the product? So that is one of the things. Uh, when I was working in Berlin for Neugeld uh, and for Commerzbank, I was looking into financial psychology. So mm-hmm. really going into ac- academic research and financial psychology is like, yeah, it's not really a science, I would mm-hmm. say, but it gave us a little bit of framing, like how, what kind of types of people, how do we behave when it comes to money? And it has its downsizes, but as, as again, a great inspiration. And we didn't have to reinvent the wheel of mm-hmm. like, oh, how should our people behaving when it comes to money? Mm-hmm. So that is the first point. And then the desk research also give you gives you a very good starting point on okay what is really the problem again uh, because you have much more input and you can then come and have more specific questions on what do we want to research on Mm -hmm. and then you go to the customers or to the experts i like also having um as a part experts interview uh because they're yeah, always some people who give you another perspective or are critics of some researches done previously and then you go off and speak to people uh which are your users or customers mm-hmm. and yeah and then it follows and the methodology then yeah that's that's the whole catalog mm-hmm. of, of which is a little bit harder to choose but that's where the magic of re- of a researcher comes alive like you mentioned actually something that doesn't come to the mind a lot which is expert interviews mm-hmm. like when you when you speak about research as the name goes, user research, you go to the user. But you mentioned expert interviews. How do you choose those experts? And how much knowledge do you get from that to improve your product? I always look like, what is the average user or the customer? What are the experts? What is the analogy to some other services? And experts are one really big uh, stone of the, the stuff you are trying to build when it comes to research and when I'm looking at the experts it's like okay who could tell me um I don't know now I'm looking into also diversity so I spoke to uh, a friend of mine who is leading a, a NGO on this topic I spoke to a friend of mine who is CEO of a company who which is known for diversity and inclusion doing really well doing very naturally uh, so it's very much intuition but it's also like, okay, I will Google, I will look uh, for the ac- academic study. And sometimes I speak to the really the professors and uh, people in academia, mm-hmm. which is also a good thing. But 
Um, I love to speak to customer support and customer help desk or salespeople mm -hmm. because those are the people actually meeting on daily basis and those are the experts in your company. Mm -hmm. So, and they are, um, I think, yeah, they don't get the appreciation they deserve and they really know a lot. Of course, they're maybe more frustrated because they're in the everyday contact with a customer, so it's not easy. But if you take out the frustration and look at the data and the inputs, insights they give, give you, it's super valuable. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to speaking with the customer, how do you select the customer? Do you have an ideal customer that will be best to interview for, for your research? Well, I'm trying and I did a really basic mistake, for example, in last research that I was like, oh, let's speak to everybody. Uh, it wasn't a good idea, mm -hmm. of course. Maybe the good approach is to say to yourself, like, who are not our customers? Mm -hmm. Like, what are the don'ts? Mm -hmm. Who do we don't want to speak to? Mm -hmm. uh, for Kununu, it's, for example, we are an HR portal where people write reviews on companies as employees. It, it's really important that the people are changing jobs more often than every 10 years, mm -hmm. right? There are a lot of people like there. Not probably in our business, but there are some. Yeah. And it's really important. So they have actual touch points with Kununu and are not just hypothetically telling us, oh, that could be interesting. Well, yeah, could be, but is it? Mm -hmm. We don't know. Mm -hmm. um, so it's really looking into who could use our product, how often could use use it. Um, and I'm not so much looking into demographics, to mm -hmm. be honest. It's not that important in this matter. Mm -hmm. And... Do you think it, it differs whether it's an actual user, a current user, or is it just a potential user? Very good question. Very good question. Uh, this is something that I'm trying to tackle right now also for us. Um, current users give you a really good feedback, especially when they're like power users or ambassadors. But there are ambassadors that are kind of in love with your product. Mm -hmm. um, so it's... It has its value for sure, but you don't get the critical side. We are also trying to hire or recruit the haters, like okay. the social media people who write us bad stuff. And we are asking then our community support, community management to, yeah, can you please uh, ask some people who hate us? And then they, when they talk to us, they're much nicer, of course, mm -hmm. but they really tell you the worst thing about us. And that's, that's also very, it's gold. Mm -hmm. And when you're doing this, interview you mentioned that asking questions is an art yeah how can one master this art by doing a lot of bad stuff badly mm -hmm. <laughs> that's one of the things uh well first it's not only interviews that i want to frame uh, there are a lot of other methodologies the interviews are like yeah the first one that com pops up in your mind in the research but it really starts with like what kind of questions do we want to ask or get answers for? Asking then the right question to people you want to interview or have the responses from is the researcher's job, I would say. But it's basically an art of having a conversation, being curious, being really empathetic and being really curious in that matter that you are not, you just don't want to have information, but you want to somehow find out what is behind the information, what mm -hmm. kind of emotions are there. So really asking open questions, of course, uh, not like, oh, this is nice, right? That's probably not the good idea, but yeah. what do you think about it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And being really careful of 
how you build rapport, mm -hmm. um, the connection with the person, how you relate, how you even when doing a user testing, which is a different methodology, you have to be really careful about even making a noise mm -hmm. that you are not confirming something for mm -hmm. for the person testing. So really depends, but there are books. Um, there's one beautiful book called uh, Socrates and Sneakers mm -hmm. uh, by uh, author in, uh, from Holland, uh, describing good conversation. There's another one from Holland, uh, Don't Ask, mm -hmm. uh, how, what, what kind of questions we have. But there's also a lot of stuff on the internet. And there is a question funnel, like how you start with open question, then you go to the confirming question, like, is this nice or not? Mm -hmm. What do you want, spaghetti or uh, pasta, another pasta? So, um, yeah. This, this could be, it's really trying to be as much as curious and much open for answers. Mm -hmm. I think one challenge that I personally face is customers don't always want to speak with you. Especially the B2B one. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Do you have some tricks or solution to face such challenge? I mean, that's the typical tricks of, I would say, also a lot of, uh, from coming from marketing people, which I'm learning a lot from but doing a business breakfast mm -hmm. and then talking to the customer of course it's a group dynamics it's a little bit different but that's where you can have a discussion and see what what topics are really important and you you in the background you will have okay this is my focus group where i can gather the first insights and then go deeper and then really giving an advantage mm -hmm. to the person like mm -hmm. okay when you speak to us you will get a this functionality or this feature for a healthy year for free mm -hmm. um or really trying to build up on uh, some relationship that uh, you know chips that the salesperson in your company have, mm -hmm. like asking your salespeople, with whom do you have a really good relationship? Who of our customers really a big critics but stays with us, mm -hmm. and they can help you yeah. to recruit good people who are open. And what is really important always to be reminded of: people want to talk, people want to criticize, mm -hmm. people want to share their knowledge. So this is where you, it's more of our side that we are scared to ask people, like, do you want to talk to us? And it has to be then professional, of mm -hmm. course, being prepared for it and making it a nice um, experience also and respecting the time, mm -hmm. of course. It's yeah. not like you, with users, you pay from a recruiting pool, you can pay them 50 euros and uh, they will spend one hour, one hour and a half with you. Uh, with your customers, it's, of course, yeah, 30 minutes, 45 minutes max. Mm -hmm. You mentioned actually one important topic here, which is recruiting people to interview. And uh, I know there are multiple platforms who provide that right now. Do you think this is a good approach? Depending, mm -hmm. depending. Uh, it's exactly uh, if I want to speak to our users, we recruit in our website. Then I make the uh, screener or look at into the screening uh, responses, and I okay see people who responded what uh, what parameters they uh, gave us, if they are using Kununu, how much and stuff like that. If I want to go for people where not, where I have a better chance of not knowing Kununu, then I will go outside, and there are services for it. Uh, there are different in Czech Republic and in Germany, and um, so this is for sure a possibility but of course i would recommend to recruit more people like if you want to have six 
for interviewings, for example, then I would recruit even eight or ten people mm -hmm. just to be sure that you get the amount of insights that you want to have. Mm -hmm. Speaking about numbers, do you think there is like some sweet spot, like how many people you should speak about? Uh, in the last research, Kununu did 60 interviews. Wow. Yeah. So uh, I think we had also the luxury of time mm -hmm. because our CEO is really into the job to be done methodology. So she really supported it and drives it. Um, and that was a lot of insights and we are still like going back and forth into the, and looking into different topics in, because the material is there. Uh, if you want to learn something for the start, five people might be enough when it comes to interviewing. Mm. Uh, there is always this uh, said that for user testing, you need five people. Questionable mm -hmm. for me. Uh, there is a thread on Twitter, which is really now from Jared Spool, uh, UX guru, one of uh, the biggest ones, who is arguing that it's not enough if you really want to see every possible uh, bug or uh, incoherency in, in your usability. So there is the difference, like how much deep you want to go and how much you want to uh, gather of uh, insights or usability issues. But yeah, if you need to uncover the biggest stuff, then yeah, five people would be a good start. How actually do you like collect this information and how do you analyze it? Do you have some uh, approach that you're always following? We are now using a research rep repository where we upload the videos and it does a transcripting service for you. Mm -hmm. So, which is a really big help. Before it was transcripting by hand, listening to the stuff again. Uh, there are different approaches. You There is one very well-known uh, researcher in the young, and she does cloning the people and uh, writing notes and then going through the transcripts again and through the recordings, not seeing the people so they have a better feeling about not being seen. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, you look into the interviews again. Uh, I personally do notes when I'm interviewing or speaking to people and trying to track okay this was an interesting moment this was an interesting moment when i have the time and the luxury of time i go through the interview once more mm -hmm. just because i think you are in the uh session you you're already a lot of biased good practice is also to be there to be two people there mm -hmm. one is leading the interview the second one is writing notes and then really looking into what is behind what was said mm -hmm. So, but it's also depending if I'm really trying to get a feedback in 30 minutes for one functionality, it's a different story than when I'm trying to understand the soul of our customers and what is behind emotionally, psychologically and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. All right. So let's get back to the double diamond framework. We went through the discover phase. What comes after that? You open up by discovering what is out there in in the field or in the business and then defining what is the problem mm -hmm. where you can when the second diamond comes to play but it's really looking into what exactly is the problem mm -hmm. what we got from um it's like narrowing down and closing the gap uh and trying to define the problem because you can also find like uh you thought that the problem is a and you find out by speaking to people that the problem is somewhere else. For example, in banking, you think that people are not, and this is typical what I heard from many banks, like people are not interacting enough with our app. Mm -hmm. 
and then you find out like they don't probably need to and if they're interacting even less but more qualitatively doing more stuff in one session then it's probably a little bit better mm -hmm. than just clicking badly in the app because then it might be that there is a mistake and, or usability mistake or something that they can't figure out in the mm -hmm. app. So that is really closing the gap of, okay, what exactly is the problem? Mm -hmm. And this is where on one side, the part of my business is a little bit too much into and framing problems and stuff like that. And where startups and companies sometimes don't spend enough time on to mm -hmm. understand really the problem, mm -hmm. to understand whose problem is it. Mm -hmm understand and after that comes the framing part that's correct that's the framing part it's already uh -huh. in this phase okay. where you trying to frame okay this is the problem this is what we have to deal and then you go really into ideation mm -hmm. trying to figure out what could, then you open again all right so after the first diamond the sweet spot comes like okay this is the problem mm -hmm. then we also decided business-wise mm -hmm to tackle or prioritize, okay, this is important, it seems to be important for us. And then you open up again with solutions mm -hmm. because to be honest, and you see every possible company, everybody comes with solutions like we should do this, but is it really responding to the problems yeah. that your audience has uh, or your uh, user base? And then understanding the problem, then you open up to the solutions and try to ideate as many ideas as possible. Of course, but it's also probably not about the quantity, about the quality then trying mm -hmm. to figure out if they work. Mm -hmm. And that's where it comes to the last phase, where is deliver uh, the idea, but you have to test it, test it, test it iteratively mm -hmm. as much as possible. Mm -hmm. And do you have some um, uh, techniques or maybe examples for testing new ideas once you defined the problem? Yeah, the approaches could be really different. But uh, what I am advising is really going into as soon as possible. Even the people are like, oh, but what should I test? Like, just tell me what do you want, right? Mm -hmm. If you phrase it well, people can all, you can already have a discussion with people. I remember one design thinking workshop, which was just, you know, just a tasting of the methodology. But a group which was built from bankers and people from telecom came together and they made a fake product of startup loans mm -hmm. and they did this i don't know from paper with a uh, i don't know it was it they actually did some kind of scrolling of the with the paper it was hilarious and they run around the studio and asking people just really guerrilla testing what they think about the product and already there in those moments they got an uh, idea of like oh it's probably not going to work out because they found out the people are there was a question like what do you want money or it was a loan kind of uh, product. And the people were like, why are you asking me this? You are going to steal my idea. Mm -hmm. And it was already, okay, this is a big barrier for people. Mm -hmm. We should phrase it totally different. And it was a paper prototype. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you kind of get an idea already there. Mm -hmm. And then you can really every step, of course, if you have the luxury of time, test. Mm -hmm. uh, Another thing which is coming to that is not to ask people what they think about buttons, but what they think about really the ideas. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like, basically what you're trying to say is try to create multiple MVVs, like a minimum viable product, let's say for, for the ideas, for these specific ideas and find which one works. Uh, of course, if you have the luxury of testing more ideas, wow, great, mm -hmm. do it. 
Yeah, mm -hmm. you can then compare what idea with different groups or with the same group, depending. It's tricky. Uh, was the best one, mm -hmm. uh, or had the best response. But you can also optimize the MVP, but you have to be really sure what you are optimizing, so you don't go back and forth, back and forth, back and mm -hmm. forth. Mm -hmm. um, all right. And since we are speaking about testing, because you also mentioned that that there's a difference between testing and usability testing. Uh, depending. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's a terminology. Uh, I, I might be using a wrong one. Uh -huh. I'm also not knowing everything. But for me, the user testing could also be... Testing is everything where you already have something which people can react on. Mm -hmm. Some uh, In German, it's called Gegenstand. Of course, I don't know the English word for it uh, right now. But it's yeah, an object, mm -hmm. let's say, although it's a digital, it could be a digital object. But if we and you all you can start by idea testing, mm -hmm. showing the idea and like, okay, what do you think about the idea? Differently asked, but something in that um, matter. Uh, then you can go into concept testing, like this would work like this. You can test information architecture, which is already going to the usability uh, area. And then you have really the usability where you want to tackle where could be the bugs and non-features of mm -hmm. uh, the product you are trying to get away. Mm -hmm. And um, I think especially for B2B and SaaS companies, usability testing is one thing which I see not a lot of startups are doing. And mm -hmm. I think it's um, really fundamental because when you are developing the product, you understand, it. you know what is what should happen after this step. But your user don't realize that. And without doing a proper user testing, a usability testing, sorry, um, it's very it's very difficult for you to actually realize where the user is struggling to reach their goals. Do you have some, again, techniques or not techniques, maybe just do you have some tips for running usability testing? Uh, it's a tricky question because with the usability studies, of course, it's you at least before lunch, 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 yeah, get a lunch before you get a <laughs> lunch. Um, you have to have a proper big usability studies trying to figure out where the, all the mistakes are. That's why I was telling also like five users might not be enough, mm -hmm. especially when you have different uh, target groups or different user bases. Um, but it's also what I am seeing a lot is that uh, with user testings, we are trying to solve political problems, internal mm -hmm. political problems. But I don't like this button. Let's test it. No, Let, let's please not do mm -hmm. it. So um, very carefully on what is usability testing and what is user testing and what, where do we ask for opinions on what the user, because we are the design expert and we are the experts on the business where which we are dealing with and we should be also a little bit pushing it's you know it's this never-ending discussion about hamburger menus mm -hmm. five years ago it was like oh no way hamburger menus don't work like is it an issue now mm -hmm. i don't i don't see it yeah. of course my grandma probably won't use it because she would be confused but my grandma will be also confused using internet my yeah. mom already knows because mm -hmm. she'd got used to so Bringing new standards is something else than uh, really 
making putting something very unusable an unusable component into the website mm -hmm. so uh, important but the techniques you are asking is really I would say this is if you really want to go into usability then uh, looking into Steve's group uh, don't let me think is one of the starts if you want to uh, be a self uh, researcher uh, doing it by yourself in a startup then really looking into videos about user testing and being not guiding the user i once saw we were uh, when i had my company to fresh uh, in slovakia the branch uh we spoke to many startups and they were like we were testing and i was like okay what was the methodology behind the testing we were like what first time first thing and then, then the second like we were asking people if they like it ah okay again and then when i when we were teaching them they really it's a habit that you develop like asking like what do you think about this and putting your finger on 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 the uh, phone or a screen and that's where it's probably not good mm -hmm. and that's where you have to relearn of not guiding the user mm -hmm. not interfering with what they're trying to do i am a really big fan of uh remote unmoderated tests where people just get their questions and they answer without a moderator interfering if you want to go deeper and understand why the people are doing what they are doing then you have to mm -hmm. moderate it mm -hmm. Makes sense. Uh, so if we already have our products running, our business is going, it's uh, revenue are, are coming in. How often do you think we should be running more user testing and usability testing? As again, you have to start as soon as possible and do it as much as, mm. as you can. Mm -hmm. uh, it's more about what I was telling you, like, what is the reason for a testing? Mm -hmm. Uh, is it a political reason? Sometimes it's worth it because there's too much discussion and we have to see because maybe we are too in internally discussing things that don't make any sense to discuss. But a lot of time there is a political reason behind that testing, which is not good, of course. But really testing your product and be, sh be sure that if you have a new feature, no, not if you put a new button, mm -hmm. that A-B testing can deal with that. And mm -hmm. there are many other met methodologies which can deal with it but really looking into this is a new feature uh how do people interact with it sure or this is a new feature let's put it into uh, let's stage roll it for example putting it into um production on one percent of people then two percent then five then 25 and seeing how they are interacting and using it mm -hmm. might be much better than you know dwelling on uh, if this button is the right one yeah um all right maybe before before we uh finish off as you mentioned some of this uh during the interview but what are some of the mistakes that you have done over the years that you can oh my God. <laughs> uh, save other people from from doing um actually i recently did a really not well done study i mm -hmm. would say we didn't frame it too much in the beginning with i with i didn't really understand what is the problem of my stakeholders where they were trying we were just curious and that might be not enough in a way when we want to tackle something specific and then my question weren't very well thought and it was leading a little bit the user so that might be like uh if you want to ask something you have to have a very well prepared scenario it's not rocket science mm -hmm. right 
but you if you want to ask about one functionality you just can't ask them like what do you think about this new pictures we introduced mm -hmm. but you ask like what uh, how would you upload your uh, holiday memories mm -hmm. right or how would you deal with your holiday memories even going further uh, so that's difference on phrasing question and what I see a lot is hypothetical question that I didn't mention it's like would you use it or would you spend 10 minutes of your time in a week for using this sure people are pleasing you because they're in your test that's one of the things and people are also we don't know how we are going to behave it's the typical future bias like we are looking into the past of trying to figure out how we are going to behave in the future which doesn't work at all all right thanks a lot Tina Ritskova it was uh, amazing having you and uh, listening to all the insights hopefully you come uh, to Prague soon and we can uh, we can speak again uh, thanks a lot thank you very much for having me